new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome into the Bears Illustrated Podcast. I'm Garrett Ross. He is Pernay Malampati. And man, it's been a busy weekend across the sports landscape. So before we dive into Baylor, are you a big, you into baseball? You into opening day and the Masters and stuff? Yeah, I am. I, I'm a big Phillies fan. So really? I'm paying attention to them. Yeah. Um, excited for this season with all the all the stars in the lineup. Got some pretty solid pitchers too. Okay. So yeah, what about you? I actually am not. So, I, like, I cannot – I loved playing baseball, um, but I have a hard time watching it. I can go in, in person and enjoy it, and I've never really been into golf, but I keep up with it. You know, obviously I talk about it on the radio and stuff, but it's one of those things where I know a lot of people look forward to this weekend, but I'm usually the the outsider looking in. <laughs> I was going to check your gotcha. pulse as well. I've been – I watched like a bit of the Masters, but haven't watched too much. I got into golf recently. Like I've been yeah. playing at least at the driving range a bit. So. Yep. So let's dive into this here. Uh, you've been you've been really adamant the past few days about wanting to talk Josh White, and you want to talk, <laughs> you know, what this this monster that's coming over from LSU. What what makes you so excited about this move, and what are you looking forward to once he hits this defense? It's a huge move. I, I'm just excited because he's he's a four-star transfer, but he was also a four-star going into LSU, and he was recruited by Dave Aranda and current Baylor defensive line coach Dennis Johnson at LSU before they came over to Baylor. So, like, he has a lot of chemistry with the coaching staff. He knows what he's getting into, and after he decided to come to Baylor, he said that he's just excited to compete. He knows that he's not owed anything. So I think he's going to be a great addition both culture-wise and on the football field. And he, I think he could be a great um, weak side linebacker because he's he's not he's technically undersized, but so is Terrell Bernard. And uh, he's, he's very athletic, so I think he could, he could be a good fit. I'm excited, too. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see um, also not only what he can do as far as when you can mold and get into their system, but – how are you coming off of that injury? You know, this is something where he he missed last year with a torn labrum, and uh, he all indications are that he's pretty close to you know 100 percent or all good to go. Does that give you any concerns, or are you reserved? And uh, when you re- in regards to that, I'm not too concerned because it. I guess all indications say that he's he's good to go, and it was a uh, it was an injury that occurred a while while ago it was early on in the season so he sh- he's had enough time to recover so i think he'll be fine from that standpoint plus even if it takes him a little bit more time to get recovered from the injury we definitely have other pieces and we still have will william will williams at linebacker um matt jones is that is going to be the backup at mike probably and maybe play some some uh strong side if they ever put three linebackers on the field so i think he'll be fine and i think that we have the depth to take care of it even if it takes a little while to recover. And, that, and that's interesting that you're talking about the depth there and the depth of the linebackers. 
because one of the big questions uh, coming into the season was the depth of the defensive line and the depth of the offensive line. We knew it was going to be big. And when you get into it uh, on Saturday, you have uh, that was really one of the, the points of emphasis that Coach Aranda was talking about was the depth that they have there. You know, we knew coming into the season you were going to have Apu back, right? You were going to have Cheedy back, TJ Franklin, Cole Maxwell and them. But you add Jackson Player, and, and that to me – is a big factor. Um, while he did play at Tulsa, while it was you know a, a smaller college in a sense, they were playing Oklahoma. You know they 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 played in big games. When you look at him, um, what are your thoughts on that? And then as far as the depth in general on Baylor's offensive line, a defensive line. Yeah, I love that addition too. There's so much depth on the defensive line, and Jackson Player specifically, he can play both nose and he can play on the end. I think he said that they initially brought him in to play at the end. So he, he's excited to play there, but he's also in addition um, at nose. He's been playing some of that in spring practice and backing up Apu. So the depth is fantastic. They brought the entire two deep defensive line back and then adding a guy like that um, on top of that is, is huge. Yeah, and also I think it's interesting to talk about like the chemistry and you look at what he's going to bring over uh, and when you mix him in there with Apu, they could be really a, a wrecking crew and, and a big force when the season gets underfold. And that was one of the things I thought was interesting because Coach Aranda had this quote yesterday, said Jackson's made a lot of great plays on Saturday. Uh, him and Apu trading out at nose tackle are a great one-two punch. Players athletic enough to move around and play uh, some other spots as well. So, I mean, that praise, in a sense, it's pretty remarkable coming from Miranda. Absolutely. Someone who knows defensive players like that, to have him already talking great things about Jackson player who came over recently, it, it's, it says good things about what he's going to do in this defense. And also, um, Apu was talking about him in, in the press conference and saying some good things. So I think they already have chemistry between the two of them. Um, so that's also a good thing to get Jackson player, um, just get him involved with the defense and have him build relationships with the other players already. I thought it was interesting too, you know, like the other day, me and you we were talking about the quarterback battle and, uh, it really about get stretching the field. Like whoever wins this, you got to be able to stretch the field. And that was interesting to hear coach Aranda talk about that as well. Like while you have that depth and you have uh, the solid crew on the defense, you're going to need your help from your offense to stretch the field and get them off. Uh, you know, and, and when you look back at last year, they were, what, the 44 sacks, and they ranked second overall in the defense of the Big 12. But once things got into the red zone, because they were so wore out, they ended up yeah. giving up 22 touchdowns. So, I mean, that's something that does have to be fixed. Absolutely. A red zone defense is very important, especially if they're going to try to do even bigger things this season and make the college football playoff. Every If every game is going to matter, then you're going to have to make sure that you take care of stopping teams in the red zone, holding them in the field goals. Um, and I think they'll do a better job of that this year. This is another year under Aranda, another year under Dennis Johnson. And I think we'll see the offense stay on the field for a longer period of time. Um, and that, that kind of also revolves around the run game. If the run game comes back as, as strong as it was last year, then that's a way to burn the clock and keep the defense on the sideline, give them some more rest. That's a good point. But I, I, but the thing is, like, we don't know who the running back's going to be, too. Like, how important is that? Like, if you're going to have the right fit to, to be able to get those reps, are you concerned about not knowing who's the back going to be? 
I'm I'm really not concerned about that. Like I know it's obviously a big thing to not know who the running back is, but I I'm not concerned just because of the type of run offense that this that this offense runs. Since they run the wide zone, you kind of depend on the offensive line to create holes there. And as long as you have a guy who can have chemistry with the offensive line and then find the hole and hit the hole, you're gonna get a good four yards of play, and that's all we need. So with like coming off like last year, right? Your second overall, is that the expectation coming into this year? Like they have to be second or at least one. Like you can't take a step back, right? Oh, defensively. Yeah. Yeah, I think you have to be at least second because you bring all these guys back and another year under Miranda, who's a great defensive coach. I, I think they will be the number one overall defense. Um, Oklahoma State lost Jim Knowles to Ohio State. He was a big reason that. That defense was the number one in the Big 12. And then they lost a couple of players like Malcolm Rodriguez, too. So I, I, I have high expectations for Baylor's defense. Well, all these expectations really start, though, is in recruiting. All these guys had to be recruited oh, yeah. at one point in time. And right now, Baylor is in the process of doing that right now. They're looking at the next group of guys to come in and step up once these guys are done. And we're going to take a look at some of the recent recruits who have been on campus. We'll take a look at some of the new offers as well. Coming up here in segment two of the Bears Illustrated podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Bears Illustrated podcast. Garrett and Pernay here with you. And Pernay, I mean, we were talking about it there at the end of segment one, how important recruiting is. And uh, I think that Coach Aranda and, and his staff have done a tremendous job of hitting the recruiting trail. Um, you, and it really helps also when you come off of winning the Big 12 championship. You know, that's definitely going to say a lot. You have the Sugar Bowl uh, under your belt as well. But I think they do a they put they started to put a real big emphasis on locking up kids local. Uh, that's been an area where traditionally uh, Baylor has missed out on a lot of guys for whatever reason. Uh, guys just want to get away from home, or uh, Baylor just didn't have the 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 they weren't where they are right now. Just frankly, they weren't, and people didn't want to come here. They wanted to get away, but they're to a point right now where. Not only local kids, but everybody in the nation wants to come play for Baylor, especially if you're a defensive-minded guy. And really what ties that both of those avenues together is recently uh, Baylor made the top 12 for 2023 four-star athlete Mikel Harrison Pilot out of Temple. Man, uh, this kid is phenomenal. Uh, he's six foot, 190 pounds. He has 47 offers. Baylor was the first program to offer him, though. And, and when you look at this, he's he's – known current Baylor defensive uh, lineman TJ Franklin since he was a little kid like Mikel used to be their ball boy when TJ was playing in high school and you look at one of your favorite guys Torian York the teammate of his yeah. is already committed Javion Wilcox the the commit safety from Lake Belton I, I know they're really good friends and I need to see I think they might be kin. I'm not 100% certain on that but when you have those type of connections right that really speaks a lot. Uh, what would it be like in your mind to get a, somebody of that talent who has those ties to Baylor, especially if you're wanting to lock down the area? I think it would be huge um, to to build a, a team that is successful in the future and for the long term, recruiting wise. You got you got to lock down the area that the school is in, 
and getting a guy like Mikhail Harrison Pilot, who's a four-star, who has a lot of offers from a lot of big-time schools, that'd be a major step in that direction. Um, it would show that Baylor is is here. Baylor is on the map for for getting these big-time recruits, and that will consistently bring them in. And it starts right here in Baylor's backyard. It also speaks to the culture that Dave Rand is building there. Every recruit that I've talked to, some of the that stands out is they're like, I feel really wanted at Baylor. Yeah, like whether the it's family guys that, that committed or currently have offers. Like, I go there and the coaches make me feel like they really want me, and I think that's huge. It is, and you know, and I asked him. I was like, man, how do those connections come into play? Like, how do you balance, you know, wanting to go play with your friends versus what's best for you? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it would be cool, especially if you played high school ball with somebody like he's doing with Torian, uh, to go and, and continue that with college. I think that would be a really unique experience, and anybody who has that opportunity would should want to jump on it. But at the same time, if that's not the right fit for you, while that would be cool, you got to you know you yeah, gotta exactly. look elsewhere. And I th- he gave me a really good answer. He said, you know, those guys play a big role because they all want me to come play with them. Uh, and we want to be, you know, we want to do this together. It's all love. But at the same time, we got to make the best decision for ourselves. So there hasn't been any pressure from them or our family. So I think that's really big, too, because I see I see all the time that like a kid will commit somewhere and then somebody like on their seven on seven team or something starts getting in their ear and then, oh, well, it's a decommitment here. And, and I think it's cool for him. Mikel to kind of realize that and say, you know what, the outside noise isn't going to be a factor with me. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, obviously, there there is a, it plays a factor to have guys that you know already on the team because it makes the transition from high school to college a lot easier. Um, but there there are a lot of other factors, and he he's going to end up making the best decision for himself. Hopefully, that's Baylor. But regardless of what it is, I'm sure that he's gonna he's gonna make the right choice. Yeah, no doubt, man. It, it look, and from Mikel, somebody who has cut Baylor to their top 12, to somebody who has committed to Baylor, and that is uh, Matthew Klopfenstein, the tight end from uh, from Arizona. He's the number 10 overall prospect uh, in the 2023 class. And this is really unique because it, it made me think about the tight end position at Baylor, right? Like when you look right now, you have Ben Sims and Drake Dabney balling out. Uh, they're a great combo. They're lethal. They're they're tough to they're tough to guard. They get out on the and block, secure the perimeter. Uh, but is Baylor going to start using and recruiting like a two tight end tactic, right? Like when you look at Klopfenstein, he's already the second tight end who's committed with Hawkins Poly for the 2023 class, and you had Kelsey Johnson that came on in 2022. And he's looking really good in practice as well. That I mean, that's got to you got to be feeling good if you're looking at Baylor from a tight end perspective, don't you? Definitely a great way to get tight ends to look at Baylor and commit to Baylor, saying that you're not you run a two tight end set because then they're like, oh, like I'll get more playing time than I would otherwise, and it, it's been working. Um, ben Sims and Drake Dabney were good contributors last year, and once you start getting guys who are even more talented. Um, there's no reason not to play a two tight end set because it makes it, it takes defenses off balance and it makes them have to consider it makes them 
to run a different type of defense to guard two tight ends on the field. No doubt, no doubt, man. And so right now with with his commitment, Baylor's sitting at nine commits for the 2023 class, which happens to rank sixth nationally and second in the Big 12. Who do you think they are behind? All right, they're second in the Big 12 for 2023 class. Who is Baylor behind? Joey McGuire's Texas Joey Tech Joey McGuire's Raiders. Texas Tech Red Raiders. Can you believe it? Number two in the country right now for the 2023 class. It's pretty remarkable. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and, you know, hey, but to each his own. And I wish him nothing but the best. But, yeah, it's uh, we, we knew that was going to happen. We knew the recruiting battle was going to yeah. break out. So, I mean, hey. They already have four four stars. Yeah. So, we're going to see what, you know, what happens. But right now, Baylor is still on the hunt. And they have issued out some new offers as well. Uh, one goes back to last weekend. Uh, they offer 2024 linebacker Ty Anthony Smith from Jasper, Texas. Uh, Baylor is a tradition of going into East Texas and bringing out talented kids and developing them into being some of the greatest players to ever step on campus. Uh, I'm not saying that's where he's at, but it's a hotbed. Uh, this kid's 6'1", 185 pounds. Uh, he was a catalyst for their defense last year at Jasper. He had 99 tackles, 13 tackle for loss, three sacks, five uh, passes broken up, two forced fumbles, and an interception. Not a bad season for a sophomore. Not not a bad season at all. Not a bad season, man. So they, they went and they've offered him. Uh, they kept it on the defensive side as well this past weekend. Uh, but they offered 2023 safety Colin Jackson out of Zachary, Mrs., uh, Zachary Louisiana. Uh, this is a kid who, obviously, the Baylor staff has done. They know Louisiana inside and out when it comes to recruiting uh, mm-hmm. from their times at LSU. Uh, so this is somebody they have identified. He's 6'2", 195 pounds. He has 20 offers, and he's ranked 7th at his position and 119th overall prospect for the 2023 class. And I asked him about that, that relationship with Coach Aranda, that relationship with the staff. Uh, he said, Coach Aranda is known for producing defensive dogs. I believe that I'm that type of player. So however I'm used, I know that I'm going to be put in good hands. So that kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier when you're talking with these recruits about they all seem to say the same thing. Exactly. They're always just like – all of them, they say, I feel really wanted. Yeah. Whether they're going to choose Bill or not, the fact that they, they feel wanted just shows how – Aranda's a great recruiter. He's great at building relationships, and that's all recruiting is. It's building relationships and convincing these players that they're going to succeed at Baylor, that you're going to develop them as people and as players, and that they should come They should come to Baylor because it's the best place for them as people and players. And Dave Aranda's doing an awesome job with that. No doubt. And the key word there was develop. You you got to develop them. And you bring up an yeah. excellent point. It's not just as players, but it's people. You got to develop them as well-rounded people, and there's nobody better than Coach Aranda at doing that. Uh, they did he's have a, he's a, one thing. He's also good at spotting those guys who man. want to be developed as people, because it's not just about having the right system; it's about finding the players who fit that system as well. Well, but he's not just doing that on the recruiting trail. He's doing that in the transfer portal too, dude. Like you bring over yeah. Jacob Gall, a perfect fit on the offensive line last year, and going to be a damn good fit this year as well with one you know full season under his belt. Dylan Doyle is the prototypical yeah. Dave Aranda player. Like, From Iowa. Yeah, you go find him and get him down here and just cut him loose, man. Like, he's playing backyard football on offense, defense. <laughs> Dylan don't care. He's going to make some plays. But, yeah, you're right, dude. I mean, he finds these perfect 
guys for his system, you know, it, they might not be they might have two offers, right? But he don't he don't care. Mm-hmm. He sees the bigger picture. It, that's what makes and, him so special. And, and Toria York is the perfect example of that. He didn't have any Power 5 offers until Baylor offered him, and he, immediate, he immediately accepted within, I think, a month. Um, and I'm very high on him. I think he's going to be like a Terrell Bernard when he comes to Baylor, just someone who's really productive. Do you know that the crazy thing with him is he's such a natural leader. Like, mm-hmm. He has done a good job of communicating with the kids who are being recruited uh, constantly talking with people, but and and I think you go back to right here what Mikel was saying though. But he doesn't cross the line, right? Like he's gonna he's gonna recruit. He's gonna he's gonna say come play for us, but he's not gonna push the issue because he's gonna he does he's very respectful human being. Yeah, that that's one hundred percent the vibe I got when I talked to him. He's super awesome, dude. Like I, I'm excited to see what he can do on campus. Uh, they did have one more offer, uh, and they went on with the offensive side of the ball this time in a 2023 offensive tackle, Max Anderson from Frisco Reedy. This is a big dude, man. He's 6'5", 260. Uh, he had his first offer from SMU, but Texas A&M was the first Power 5 program to offer him, uh, and Baylor jumped in the mix over the weekend. Now, I, we see some of the, the recruits as of late. Baylor's been pulling in on the offensive line. He, I think, is exactly – we're talking about the prototypical guys when you look at Tate Williams and Connor Heffernan and them. He is right there with them. You know, it, it, and he okay. comes – he's got the pedigree too. His brother plays for Oklahoma. So, do you follow brother? We don't know. You see that a lot of the times where you siblings go. But this is somebody who Baylor likes, and I think he would be a great fit along their line. Yeah, he sounds like he'd be a great fit. Um, hopefully he comes to Baylor and doesn't follow his brother, but you do see a lot of siblings go to the same colleges. Oh, yeah. Guys who played there. And Oklahoma's a great college, so you can't, you can't really say anything about him going there. No, I mean, but, you know, it, it, it would be nice, you know, for, for you know, we got to see how the evaluation and everything's going to go. But I, I think it's a really good offer for Baylor, whether he ends up coming or not. Uh, it's somebody to keep an eye on. And I always like to keep up with recruits regardless if they go to Baylor or not. It's just because yeah. you get to build relationships with these kids. You want to see them be successful. So I'm looking for I have actually. So regarding these the three new offers, I have an article out right now on BearsIllustrated.com with Ty Anthony Smith. Um, I have I will have an article out tomorrow um, with Colin Jackson, the the safety out of Louisiana, and I'm still trying to get a hold of Max Anderson. So as soon as we do, I'll have something up on the website as well with him. But man, we've been doing this uh, the past few episodes where we get in and we rank. The, the top five position groups in the Big 12. And we're going to continue that. We're going to jump into the wide receivers next here on the Bears Illustrated podcast. The hit Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. 
Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. back into the Bears Illustrated podcast. Garrett and Pernay here with you. And as promised, we're going to give you our top five receivers headed into the Big 12 in 2022. And we've lost a lot of talent, man, but we have a lot of talent returning. Uh, there was it, This was a really difficult list to go through, and I honestly feel like I've left some out. Uh, I, I feel like you're going to see a guy, and I don't know where the hell it's going to come from. I think it's one of them is going to come from Baylor that just burst on the scene that we weren't expecting. Kind of like we've seen in the past yeah. with running backs. I feel like we're going to see that this year from somebody in the receiving core. But I want to let you give your top five, and then I want to give mine. And let's kind of compare and contrast where we're at, man. But uh, start with number five and tell us who you got. So at number five, I have Isaiah Nayor from Texas. He's a transfer from Wyoming. Um, and then at number four, I have Quentin Johnston from TCU. Number three, I have Marvin Mims Jr. from Oklahoma. Uh, no relation to Denzel Mims, in case you're wondering. Number two, I have Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State. And then number one, I have Xavier Worthy, uh, the second guy from Texas on my list. We have four of the same guys, and they ain't in the same order. So this is going to be fun. So, all right, at number five, I got Brennan Presley from Oklahoma State. Um, okay. At number four... And I, I, I can already feel your eyes burning through me. I got Xavier Worthy at number four. Wow. I, I, I know. I know. I'll, I'll explain. I'll explain. Number three, I got Xavier Hutchinson. Number two, I got Quentin Johnson. And number okay. one, I got Marvin Mims at number one. All right. So. I just got that flip. When. All right, talk to talk to me about your guy from Wyoming and what because that's two. We had two different guys coming into this. What made him on your yeah. list? So he's a transfer from Wyoming. He was the leading receiver in the Mountain West Conference. He had offers from. Well, he was initially committed to transfer to Tennessee, and he decommitted from there and chose Texas. He also had an offer from Ole Miss. Um, he's just he's a complete receiver. He's very talented, and he'll be the number two behind Xavier Worthy at Texas. So he'll probably have more opportunities with the number two cornerback guarding him most of the time. Okay, okay. And that, that's see, and I was I was thinking about transfers when we were doing this list, and I didn't even really look at the transfers. I knew I'd get burned on one. I do remember him at Wyoming, and he is he's good. Yeah, he, he's good. He's really good. So that's a good pick. With Brandon Presley, uh, this is a kid that's really going to get be has an opportunity to emerge at, as Oklahoma State's number one receiver now that Tate Williams is gone. I mean, Tate Martin is gone. Uh, last year he had almost 700 yards receiving and he had 50 receptions. He's going to have to be step up and be that guy this year. And I feel like that with him already having somewhat of a chemistry with Spencer Sanders, that's something they could grow and expand during the offseason. And maybe if they get some time with that offensive line and Spencer's not running around like a chicken with his head cut off, then him and Brendan can have a good connection. That That's what I had with him at number five. All right, let's talk Xavier Worthy here. So I I have him oh, at number man. four. You got I him, at number one. You have him at number four. I have him at number four because 
I don't know who his quarterback's going to be. Right? Is it going to okay. be Quinn? I, I look. We. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Quinn yours. I'm pretty sure everybody thinks it's going to be Quinn yours. But Hudson Card, he can throw. He's good. He's really good. I, I just feel like with that, we we still don't know. So they're not having time to really build like first team rep chemistry together. I think that's something that's going to become a factor. Um, I just, I don't know, man. I just, I don't feel comfortable that like putting him there. I guess that's my really just my, my number one thought is the, the fact that you're going to have to do the trip, the, the quarterbacks, but I just, I don't know. I have him at number four. What, why are you got him at number one? You know, what's funny about this. You have him as the number four receiver in the big 12. I have him as the number three receiver in America. <laughs> so we're, we're completely flip flopped on Xavier Worthy. Um, this dude, he almost had a thousand yards receiving last year as a true freshman, and he had 12 touchdowns. And this was him going in not knowing he's, he was going to be the number one option. He became the number one option midway through the season and just exploded with Hudson Card and Casey Thompson at quarterback. And now I think they'll have Quinn Ewers, who I think is also a very, very good quarterback and a, a massive upgrade. So with with this big upgraded quarterback, with this extra season of reps, of practice, of getting getting uh, used to the system, um, and he, he's just so talented, he's I think he's going to be an incredible receiver this year. But he's going to have to get – he's going to get double teamed. He's not going to have that single coverage if he's that man. That, that's the other thing, though. I don't think he can get double teamed because I think Isaiah Nayor is going to take some of that pressure off of him because he's also a good receiver. Plus, even if he does get double teamed, I think he's good enough to still produce. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, the other one we were pretty far off on, Marvin Mims. Yeah. Okay. I think I think with this, like, you went more – potential and talent up front and I went more production. That's why I have Xavier Hutchinson over Mims and Johnston. I and look, this might be personal bias with Mims. He was up until last year the best, the most talented high school wide receiver I'd ever covered in person at Frisco Lone Star. He blew me away. Uh I I prior to that really? it was yeah, dude, prior to that it was Jackson Shipley at Brownwood that went on to have, you know, balled out at Texas. And then it was Marvin, uh, man, he, I've just seen him make some plays and I know that there's been a lot of like last year was really dysfunctional for Oklahoma. Um, and I feel like once you have some new discipline, uh, and look, I know this is kind of counterbalances what we talked about with our quarterbacks. You were really high. I mean, I was high on Dylan Gabriel. You weren't, I feel like with Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel finally having a dude like Marvin Mims, that it's going to bring out the full potential in both of them. And I have a feeling they could be one of the more lethal combos in the nation. Yeah, and I, I can't disagree with you. He's a really good receiver. Last year he was he was not a primary receiver in the offense. He was behind Mario Williams and I think one or two other guys, but he still had 32 catches on just 41 targets and he had like 700 receiving yards, which was 22 yards a catch. So he's definitely got the talent to to have an explosive season this year and he could definitely do it. Um, 
I still wouldn't have him over Xavier Worthy, but I could see him having a better season than Xavier Hutchinson for sure. I just had Hutchinson over him because Hutchinson's coming off of two straight seasons where he was first team all Big 12. Mm-hmm. He's the leading receiver in the Big 12 coming back. See, and the reason I was kind of hesitant with him is you've had Brock Purdy slinging the rock to him for like the past two years, right? Now mm-hmm. Brock Purdy's gone. You're going to have some turnover on the offense if line uh, Brees Hall is not back there to alleviate some of the pressure, I feel like Iowa State's offense is really going to struggle, uh, kind of really stretching the field this year. And I feel like that's really what's going to hinder him. He's still really, really good receiver who will have a good career in the NFL. Uh, but that's really what kind of made me pump the brakes on him a little bit. That's fair. I think I think it's very possible that Marvin Mims has a better season than Hutchinson this year. Um, but if you take away the if you take away the supporting cast, I think that Hutchinson's a little bit better of a receiver. Right. That's fair. But talk mean, talk to me about Quentin Johnson. What what made you put him at two? I, Quentin Johnson's another one of those kids, man. Where I, I remember watching him in high school, dude. He was phenomenal at Temple. Uh, it they that that team was really good. He was there with T.J. Franklin and them. Uh, they were a really fun team to watch and cover. Uh, I, I think he's gotten a lot better um, at, during his time at TCU. I think when you have an uh, offensive-minded guy, guy coming in now and Sonny Dykes, that's going to open things up. Um, and you, I think that whether it's Duggan or Chandler Morris, which I'm kind of leaning more towards Chandler Morris, you put Chandler really? Morris with him, I, I think Chandler Morris is better. Than, than Max Duggan. I, I do. Uh, and I think that before the season ends, you're going to see him in the starting role. Um, but I think that's – and also, Quentin's going to have some help this year. He's going to have some of the pressure taken off of him with this other young receiver coming in. And I feel like he's due for a breakout season. Uh, and Jared Wiley, another high school teammate of theirs, uh, is on the team as well. And he was their quarterback, actually. This kid's – now he's a tight end. He's a big – and he'll take some of that pressure off as well. Um, but that's why I went with Quentin at number two. Yeah, he's a great receiver. I just see him kind of as a one-trick pony. I feel like he's only a deep ball threat. He hasn't really done much of mm-hmm. the other stuff. I think over a third of his yards are from the deep ball on like nine go routes. He has 450 yards or something. So we're going to have to see him do some of the other little things. And that's what their head coach, that's what Sonny Dykes was saying, that he's going to have to do some of the little things. But Quentin Johnson seems really focused on continuing to to run those go routes and play the deep ball. So I think these other guys are just a little bit more well-rounded. I also think, I mean, he's one of those dudes where his size, you could, you could kind of sneak him on the inside and use him in a similar way that you could use a tight end. But he's you know, he's yeah. really – and when you get into the red zone, I think that's really where he's going to make a lot of his money. You know what I'm saying? Like he's – uh, so difficult to contain inside the red zone. And I think you're going to really see that, especially if Chandler Morris gets the nod. Uh, I think mm-hmm. you'll really see his full potential come out. Um, but, man, it, it, I'm excited. I'm excited to see all of these guys. The one question mark, and both of us, neither one of us had anybody from Baylor. Um, exactly. W- right now, I mean, what are your expectations? What what would you like to see? Who were, who do you really want to see step up in this receiving core? So for a guy who, if I'm thinking about a guy who could potentially be on this list at the end of the season, be one of the top five receivers in the Big 12, I'd have to go with Armani Winfield. The reason that both of us don't have him on here is because he's he's coming in as a true freshman, so we don't know what he's going to do. But he's, he's really talented. He's a four-star recruit. 
and he's having he's getting to take those practice reps because he's an early enrollee and is here for spring practice. So it's possible that he's there. Um, but I think that the top two receivers will probably be Gavin Holmes and Jalen Ellis. That you know, and look, I, I was actually talking to Mike Craven earlier from Dave Campbell's Texas Football, and we were talking about Armani Winfield, and I, I think after watching, I watched Texas A and M spring game uh, on Saturday, and I was blown away by Evan Stewart, um, and I feel like Armani Winfield and Evan Stewart have a lot in common uh, from their whole skill set. They're extremely talented, and I'm I feel like Winfield has the opportunity to break out and have that same kind of impact that I saw from Stewart. And you're going to see from Stewart this year for A&M. I really feel like he does have an opportunity to work his way in and become that main guy. Um, I I agree with you too, as far as Gavin goes, I feel like it's his time to really step up and emerge as the number one receiver. I'm really apprehensive about Jalen Ellis and I'm apprehensive about Seth Jones as well. I feel like both of these guys were really talented coming out of high school. uh, But I, at this point, I feel like we should have been seeing them both get some valuable reps, and that just hasn't been the case on a consistent level. Um, it, I think you're going to see Monterey Baldwin have a really, really breakout season. You know, we saw Drew Estrada last year use his size, get lost in the middle, and just break plays open. And I think you're going to see that with Monterey. We also saw him, you know, have a breakout plays in special teams. I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, though that's who I'm looking forward to. Uh, but man, yeah, somebody's really going to have to step up because when you look at the history of Baylor, you look at this offense and all of the talent on it, we should be naming somebody on this list. Yeah. I mean, considering both Tyquan Thorne and RJ Sneed are gone, Armani Winfield will definitely have that opportunity to become that number one receiver. If he's, if he's there right now, um, We'll just have to see. And I'm not too apprehensive about Jalen Ellis and Seth Jones. Like, we don't know if they're going to be great, but they have been having to sit behind some really good receivers. So it's not the worst thing in the world that they've been sitting. They've at least gotten to learn from some really good receivers. No, that's great. That's a really great point. That that really is. Let's. I want to. I want to tease this a little bit. You nailed the guest down for our next podcast. Tell us a little bit about it. So uh, our guest is going to be Kevin Gillick. He played golf at Nebraska in the Big Ten in 2011 and 2012 uh, through the 2013 spring season, right after Nebraska went from the Big 12 to the Big Ten. Um, he's, he's a Nebraska football fan as well, and his, his dad played at Missouri on the football team. So he has he, he's a big football fan. He's going to be talking about conference realignment, some hot takes he has, as well as Adrian Martinez transferring from Nebraska to Kansas state. I like it, man. I like it. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, I'll have, I'll have the article out tomorrow uh, on uh, the kid from Louisiana. What do you have? What are you working on right now? Um, I I just put up a couple videos with uh, a couple recruit interview videos on YouTube. It's bears illustrated on YouTube and I'll have a couple articles out and then, uh, Something else probably to not sure yet what right now. Awesome. I won't be able to make it out to practice tomorrow. I'll be, uh, I have to run the rate Texas Rangers game at the radio station, uh, but I will be out at practice on Tuesday. Uh, so we can, we'll touch base on that as well. And that's what we have coming up. Pernay, tell them where they can find you on social media. I'm at Percurry on Twitter. Follow me. Um, 
I, I think you'll like some of my tweets about college sports and the NFL. Awesome, dude. You can find me at underscore Garrett Ross. You probably will not like my tweets very much, but go for it anyway. <laughs> but that's all the time we have today. We appreciate you listening. Catch you up next time on the Bears Illustrated podcast. It's the NFL offseason, but on pick six, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, pick six has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.